I was glad when they said unto me, Let us go into the house of the Lord. Let us worship the Lord our God.
Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God all my life long. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. The Lord will reign forever. Your God, O Zion, for all generations. Praise the Lord. God of life, may your light shine on your people today as it's shown in each moment of history. May the light of your presence inspire this celebration and inspire our lives to praise you and recognize you as source of all creation, as strength that sustains, as sap that nurtures, as wisdom that foresees, as clarity that discovers, as love that understands, as mercy that forgives. May the light of your presence, eternal and inextinguishable, shine on us now and forever till the dawn of your kingdom present in each day. Grace and peace to you, and welcome to the First Presbyterian Church in Philadelphia on this Reformation Sunday, both those of us gathered in person and those worshiping in other locations. We are indeed glad and grateful to be together. Because the word of welcome we extend is one on behalf of Jesus Christ, it comes with no qualifying adjectives whatsoever attached to it. All are welcome in God's house, and in that way we greet one another. Before we move into the body of the service, I'd like to highlight a few things for our common life together. The first is to invite you to a time of fellowship, which will take place at the conclusion of this service in Old Buttonwood Hall, which may be reached by going out this door to my right and down a short ramp. And there you will find that a time of fellowship has been prepared for you with some light refreshments and the opportunity to greet one another in person. Uh, I remind you that because the city of Philadelphia is still under a mask mandate, we are as well. Your worship leaders will be removing them as we lead worship, but otherwise we'll wear them, and that's for the benefit of those with hearing loss. We trust that after a year in pandemic, everyone is now capable of doing this to have their cookie at coffee hour. I have absolute confidence in you, and I know we'll be able to do that. So please do come down and have a bit of time together and enjoy one another's company. Uh, as is our custom for All Saints Day, we will include the names of anyone who has died in the last year, not just the members of this congregation, but anyone who is dear to the members of this congregation. So if there is someone you have lost in this last year from your life and you would like them remembered in the communion liturgy next Sunday for All Saints, please send that name to the church office uh, no later than Thursday so that we can be sure to include those names as we give thanks to God for those who have meant so much to us. I invite you to uh, take part in an ongoing Christian education offering on Wednesday nights at 5 o'clock. The Reverend Cynthia Jarvis is facilitating a marvelous uh, discussion, a marvelous series on Christian ethics. We have two visiting scholars with us by this Zoom class, one being Dr. Nancy Duff from Princeton Seminary and the other Dr. Katie Day from Lutheran Seminary, both of whom are fine Presbyterian ethicists. We had a lively discussion last Wednesday and I invite you to join us for that on Wednesday night at 5 o'clock. 
And finally, uh, we are asking for the congregation to give us your wisdom as our officer nominating committee begins its work by filling out the form that you will find in your bulletin or also just out the door in the columbarium. Um, you will find there forms that you can use to, to tell the officer nominating committee whom you believe God might be calling to leadership here at First Church. We covet those recommendations and thank you very much for them. With all of these things noted, let us now hear a moment for stewardship from Elder Stella Sai. Good morning, everyone. At the core of stewardship is our responsibility to take care of the church and each other. Here at First Church, music is an essential resource that has helped our members face difficulty at any time, especially through this pandemic. There is evidence from clinical psychologists, neuroscientists, and music therapists that music can be used as an effective treatment after experiencing trauma. I know from my own experience that music has an incredible power to heal and comfort, to soothe, to channel our emotions and touch the soul. When I hear Bach's air on a G-string, Barber's adagio for strings, or John Legend's glory, whether it was for the first or the hundredth time, I experienced the miracle of catharsis. When I bear witness to our choral even songs, or the cantata we will hear later today, it feels nothing short of a miracle. When we sing bouncy tunes at celebration, our spirits are lifted. When we join our voices to hear, join our voices to sing songs, to sing hymns, both old and new, we receive powerful reassurance that we will get through these tough times together. Music is not just something beautiful to listen to but it's something that attests not only to the resilience of our Christian faith in difficult times, but also to the prodigious gifts of our choir, the orchestra, our fearless leader, Andrew Sen, who have found a way to make music and bolster our resilience under extraordinarily, extraordinarily difficult circumstances. For these gifts, we will be forever grateful. Thank you. Thank you, Stella. Let us now continue as we confess our sins to God, from whom our help comes, first together and then in a time of silence. Pray, er, Eternal God, creator of the winds and rains, sun and moon, the earth and all that is in it, too often we utter your praises without pausing to consider what it is we sing. Too often our words bear no evidence that we bear the imprint of your word. Too often we mumble our joy, suppress our sorrow, and live as though you do not matter. Forgive us, we pray, for when we attempt to domesticate your transcendence, Break through into our hearts 
and lives and minds, and transform us by your power. Through Jesus Christ we pray. Beloved, the Lord is loving, merciful, and just. Therefore, we are reconciled to God and to one another, that we might walk in peace and love. Believe the promise of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Our first scripture reading this morning comes to us from Hebrews in the ninth chapter, starting at the eleventh verse. But when Christ came as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and perfect tent, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy place, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls, with the sprinkling of the ashes of a heifer, sanctifies those who have been defiled so that their flesh is purified, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to worship the living God? Here ends our first reading. The second lesson is taken from the letter to the Romans, reading in the fifth chapter, beginning at the first verse and continuing through the eleventh. Continue to listen for the word of God. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand, and we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that, but we boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint us. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. Indeed, rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person someone might actually dare to die. But God proves his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. 
much more surely then, now that we have been justified by his blood, will we be saved through him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son, much more surely, having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life. But more than that, we even boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Almighty, eternal God, grant now that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts may be acceptable, even pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Five hundred years ago this year, Martin Luther was declared a heretic and an outlaw by the Holy Roman Emperor Charles V. Further, the edict called for his capture. He escaped to the castle of Frederick the Elector, where he was in hiding for nine months, and where he began subsequently translating the New Testament into the language of the people. We perhaps know more amongst ourselves, more commonly, of the sufferings of Martin Luther due to the Reformation, because we, of course, observed the posting of his 95 theses. But Luther was not by any measure the first reformer to face trial. In England, John Wycliffe's efforts led to the translation of the Vulgate into Middle English in 1384. His efforts, in turn, inspired, inspired the great Czech reformer, Jan Hus, who was burned at the stake in 1415. Hus is reported to have died singing the Psalms. Our own ancestor in the faith, John Calvin, twice served as the minister of the church in Geneva, twice because he was run out of town the first time. He is reported to have described the prospect of returning to Geneva a second time to become the pastor of that church as a torture. In England, the Puritan preacher John Bunyan was imprisoned for 12 years for preaching outside of the Church of England, during which he wrote the spiritual classic, The Pilgrim's Progress. He was a lucky one. So many were martyred for faith in the English Reformation that when I studied at Oxford one summer, I heard a running joke among the tour guides that Cambridge produced the Reformers and Oxford burned them. 
And just to put this in a little historical context, Bunyan's imprisonment and then his later writing of The Pilgrim's Progress occurred only about 30 years before the founding of this congregation in Philadelphia, a place of religious freedom. We celebrate Reformation Sunday not so that we can sing the catchy hymns written by our forebears in faith, even if they do happen to mention hobgoblins on Halloween. That is simply a gift with purchase. No, we do not do that for that reason, nor do we celebrate Reformation Sunday so that we can clarify why your clergy are attired in academic gowns rather than in elaborate vestments. No, we, we do not do that, nor do we celebrate Reformation Sunday in order to create separation between ourselves and our siblings in faith of, of Catholic background. Uh, the distinctions of our faith are important, but we do not highlight sacramental understandings in order to cast aspersions on those who believe differently than we do. So why do we celebrate Reformation Sunday. It comes down to this. We celebrate the courage, the tenacity, the commitment of those whose conviction of faith led them inescapably to the conclusion that they would rather be pilgrims without a home than to disavow what they had come to know in Christ Jesus. The Reformers recognized that there are things in life that are more important than comfort, than safety, than even our mortal lives. They believed that faith is the most important thing in life because they believed that we are saved by God's grace through faith. Not anything we do. Not our works. Indeed, just to be sure we couldn't somehow twist faith itself into a work, John Calvin made it crystal clear in his writings that faith itself is a gift from God. We do not make ourselves believe Rather, it is God's grace that gives us faith. So it is God's grace that saves us. Their witness stands to remind us that there are indeed things upon which we must ultimately stake our lives. Perhaps especially now when we are tempted to rely on our own wits or our own money our own work ethic, our own politics, our own anything to find our worth when it is God alone who makes us worthy. To speak plainly of the value that God places on humankind, to recognize the simple truth that what is intrinsically worthwhile about us is given by God is to fly in the face of much of what is marketed to us 
what we are told will make us happy or fulfilled or worthwhile. To speak plainly of that is to speak God's word to a hurting world. To live against the grain of rampant consumerism, cultural divisiveness, and tribal politics, and all of the isms that seek to separate us one from another is to embark upon our own pilgrim journey. I suspect sometimes we fear that plainly stating what we believe might make us appear in some way to be intolerant or exclusive, and so we shy away from doing so. But I am reminded we do not honor those of other faiths by being poor practitioners of our own. The witness of the reformers, of those who gave up their homes and their friendships, those who endured scorn and ridicule, those who risked becoming outlaws, those who offered up even their own lives, their witness stands to remind us that there are ultimate values in life, and faith is chief among them. As Paul wrote to the Romans, therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand, and we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that, but we boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint us. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. To be a Christian today carries few of the physical risks of the Reformation. We are not asked, most of us, to be faithful unto death. It might even at times feel a bit trite to seek inspiration from such stalwarts. But we are not asked to live their lives. We are asked to live ours. And even now, we may relinquish the comfort of convenience in favor of a life laced through with God's grace because it is our faith given in the grace of God, as the Reformers rightly and continually noted, that saves us. It is God's grace that saves us from stagnant self-interest and suffocating self-justification. Sometimes life is easy. Sometimes it is not. But whether easy or hard, life is a gift from God, lived in the grace of God, who calls us to embrace a pilgrim existence where the most important thing is that which leads to life and reminds us that such a pilgrim existence can only be sustained in the grace of God. And yes, sometimes... Sustaining faith will be difficult, 
but I am reminded finally of these words from the Pilgrim's Progress. This hill, though high, I covet to ascend. The difficulty will not me offend, for I perceive the way to life lies here. Come, pluck up, heart. Let's neither faint nor fear. Better, though difficult, the right way to go than wrong, though easy, where the end is woe. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Let us together confess what we believe in the words of the Apostles' Creed. 
I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. You are able to give your offering if it is in person in the silver plates both before and after the service. And I also remind you there are a couple of different ways to give online if you go to our online giving page as well as a QR code on the back of your bulletin to get you there. Our God is ever faithful and provides everything that we need. Let us praise the Lord through our giving that our offerings may be acceptable to God.
Oh, my God. 
Lord, God of mercy, hear our prayers for all the needs of the world. For the Church of Christ and for people of faith who call upon God by other names, that where there is need and division, your Spirit will bring understanding and reconciliation. For earth, for minerals, bacteria, microbes, and all that lives and breathes in every size and shape. For the healing of all earth's scars and toxins. For wisdom to deal well and equitably with every landscape. For nations, leaders, armies, town councils, peacekeepers, and peacemakers. Legislatures at every level of government for voters and for people who work toward democracy, for those who fight against change and those who fight for changes in the name of justice, for children and for those who are raising up children in this complicated world, that in the midst of their common struggles, there will be times of great joy and happiness. For all who daily show us how to live well and in accord with your commands. For all who suffer in our land from hunger, homelessness, poverty, and illness. And for all else we hold in our hearts this day, we lift up now to you in a time of silence. God of mercy, hear our prayers. In thanksgiving for those who have taught us faith, we ask you to hear our pleas and our words of gratitude. Keep us in your care and bring us to the feast that has no end. Through Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, now and forever. Hear these prayers and the one that Jesus taught us, saying, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
thanksgiving now to God who by the power at work within us is able to do exceedingly, abundantly more than we could ever ask or imagine. To God be all honor and glory in the church and in Christ Jesus, both now and forevermore. And now the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance on you and those you love and give you peace both this day and forevermore. Amen.